You're listening to the MoneyWeb Now podcast series with Simon Brown. Live streamed every weekday at 6.30 a.m. It's Tuesday, 27 February. Japanese year-on-year inflation for January, 2.2%. I'm Simon Brown, coming at you live and loud from the MoneyWeb offices in Houghton, Johannesburg. On the show today, Gary Boyson from Rand Swiss. The Sassel results, lots of impairments, but I, 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 I don't know, I th- maybe not as bad as I had thought, but we'll get a sense from Gary if it's investable, or perhaps his options offshore or just a space to stay away from. We talk with Westbrook Alternative Asset Management and the latest private credit offering in Sterling, and then Happy Gilbert Lazy from ABSA on how do we save the logistics sector in South Africa. The show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. Morning headlines from News 24. Government at an advanced stage of finalizing transmission finance plan, according to the energy minister. About 400 billion rand is needed for new grid infrastructure to connect all the new power projects. Business Day Paramount Plus to launch in Africa through multi-choice. Two companies have not said how the branded destination will work or to be served to the multi-choice customers. More markets, a US was red, S&P down 0.4%. NASDAQ off a touch down 0.02%. Uh, over in the east, mostly red. Sydney up uh, a few points. In percentage terms, it's flat. Tokyo down 0.2%. Hong Kong off 0.6%. And 10 cents up a tenth of a percent. Commodities are mixed. Gold 2042, Brent 8246. PGMs are red. Platinum 887, Palladium 963. Rand 1932. Bitcoin 56,600, which puts it above a million per coin. 1,072,505 Rand. Top 40 opening call 375 points to the downside, 0.6% to the red. MoneyWeb now on the money. Also available on podcast. Chatting now with uh, Gary Boyson from Rand Swiss. Gary, appreciate the early morning. The Sassel results, I mean, a lot of it was was, was impairments, almost six billion of impairments. HEPs down about a third, dividend down 70%, but they still paid a dividend. And this really is a deeply cyclical business at the bottom of the cycle with all sorts of challenges. Is there opportunity here? I think there could be opportunity. Uh, if you look at it, as you say, very, very cyclical. You know, if you look at the, I suppose, the, the explanation of, of the, the weaker performance, it's really, it's macro factors. You know, more than half of uh, Sassel's revenue comes from international operations. So it's, uh, or at least inter- international sales. Mm. So, uh, you know, with a, a lower oil price, um, you know, it's it's obviously going to low and petrochemical price. It's obviously going to impact the, the, the performance of the shares. So, um, you know, it is a rand hedge as well. So, I mean, that's nice for, for uh, South African investors. But you know, over the period, the rand was 8% weaker, which was a little bit of a tailwind. The problem was uh, you know, Brent crude oil was down around 10%. So <laughs> you know, it's moved from 94 to 84. That more than offset it. And that also kind of dragged, dragged the stock a little bit lower. Um, it is doing okay in chemical sales, specifically in the U.S. Um, and I suppose, you know, to your question, you know, is this investable? I mean, if I go and look at sell uh, side research, uh, Investec's got a target of 300, ABS's got a target of 245, HSBC has a target of 260, and the stock is trading at 143. So, so certainly, the the, the big bank bank institutions uh, think this is definitely investable. 
I take your point on that. And if I recall correctly, Standard Bank's got an, an even crazier price. I mean, it's, so then it almost preempts my next question, which is going to be, you know, perhaps we look at the at the offshores. I'm thinking shells. I'm thinking the the BPs and others. But you know, the, the, they haven't seemed to have taken taken the hit, and therefore potentially offering that that value, which we which is certainly possibly to see in Sasol. Yeah, I think I think you've got to be careful offshore, and 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 certainly you haven't seen the fall that you've seen in Sasol and many of the international players, uh, despite the the low energy prices. And I think part of that is is, is the nature of Sasol's operations versus something like an Exxon Mobil or a, a Royal Dutch Shell or, or one of those. So they are transitioning to to a greener future, but but you've got to remember that uh, you know where the impairments were taken. So on that uh, Secunda liquid fuels cash generating unit, uh, that is you know. I'm not sure if it's still the largest, but it, because I mean there has has been uh, changes there. But if it, at one point it was the largest single point emitter of CO2 in the world. There's an enormous amount of carbon and, and environmental impact that Sasol has to adjust just because of the the type of processes they have. Many of the international companies have already seen and and put a lot of work into the the transition into a greener future. I mean, mm. Sasol's talking about decarbonization by 20, 2050, but I think everyone's looking at this and saying. Yeah, this is going to be a stretch. <laughs> yeah, this, it's it's going to be difficult. Um, so I think international is definitely it's definitely something to look at, um, especially if you do really want to capture you know one the randhedge component. I mean, mm. going directly offshore, you you get that immediately, um, and you also are not going to pay essentially tax on your on your principal investment amount because you'll have externalized your funds directly. Yeah. Um, but at the same at the same time, you you know you avoid some of the problems that that Sasol has uh, just in terms of growth and, and you will then obviously capture you know, a rise should we see a, a you know an oil price shock you know coming from let's say an escalation of the tensions in the middle east yeah i take your point and i'm looking at those uh, uh price targets the low is 180 and the current share price is 143 so certainly the the, the, the analysts out there are saying there definitely is value here uh, gary boyson rand swiss appreciate the early morning and that's our poll today linkedin and a twitter do you think there's some value in sasso it certainly has had a a, a rough oh, what's that a couple of years since the highs of late 2021 uh, but the, the 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 analysts are saying there definitely is what's your take have your vote have your say linkedin and Twitter. There's no postponing the inevitable. Your money knew this day would come. And you know what? It can hardly wait to start giving some back to you. When you invest in Stanlib's fixed income funds, you can retire earning a regular income off your investments. Invest for more certainty at stanlib.com forward slash more. Stanlib is an authorized financial services provider and a registered manager. MoneyWeb now on the money. Chatting with Dina Sokola, Head of Product Development and Distribution at Westbrook Alternative Asset Management. Dina, appreciate the time today. We chatted around your secured UK private debt fund last year, but of course, these funds, they fill up. You've got a new one coming through. A lot of folks are going to say, hang on a second, private debt is risky, but I've been doing a lot of digging around this over the last couple of weeks and months. It often isn't, and partly because the managers, i.e. your team, are so much more on the ground and involved with the clients. Yeah, Simon, it's a very good question. I mean, interestingly, what is the alternative to investing in private debt? It's generally fixed income, cash, or some kind of a bond. Yeah. Interestingly, in our private debt offering in the UK, there are a number of businesses that we have lent to where we're a secured lender to them. And mm-hmm. that business as a wider business also issues uh, listed bonds. Now, a listed bond generally is an unsecured claim against a borrower. But what's interesting 
is that in many of the instances we have lent at a higher rate with better security to that business than the rate that their listed bonds <laughs> are trading at. So, I mean, I would say that private debt is not necessarily more risky. It's that the risks are different because you're assuming certain of those different risks, as well as hopefully investing with the manager who knows what they're doing. You can extract higher returns than the level of risk you need to take in order to extract those returns. What would you say the difference is? Because I'm fascinated by your, your example there of issued bonds. So what is an alternative, Simon? It's anything that is unlisted or illiquid. So probably mm. better described as a private market asset. And, you know, alternatives globally are a multi-trillion dollar industry in the developed markets these days. The risks in alternatives generally are things around liquidity. Yeah. So by investing in a private market asset, you can't get your money out tomorrow. There is less, I suppose, transparency with certain managers. And accessibility is incredibly difficult, especially here in South Africa. And that's a mission we as Westbrook are, are on, is to try and make alternatives more accessible to the wealth public, to direct clients, to institutions, etc. But I would say in exchange for higher returns and better predictability and less volatility, you're probably taking liquidity risk and, of course, more manager risk provided that, with the caveats, I suppose, that it depends who you're investing with. And I take your point on the liquidity risk. This is not a share which I can, I mean, I can buy it and immediately turn around and sell it, assuming that it's a liquid share. Your funds, as I understand, have got initial lock-in of either 18 or 36 months. I mean, if you're buying one of these, you really should understand that liquidity profile. Yes, absolutely. It's fundamental. What do you do in a private debt fund, Simon? You make loans in the case of Westbrook Yield Plus, which is our flagship UK private debt fund, mm -hmm. now yielding about 9.5% in sterling, we make loans to real estate sponsors primarily. Those loans are generally somewhere between 12 and 36 months. If we were to promise an investor that they could get their money out in, let's say, three months, you'd have a mismatch between the duration yeah. of the underlying loans and the duration of the clients. And there are some private debt funds that operate on that basis out there. But what they do is they hope that you never get enough redemptions from clients in any one quarter for there to be a problem because they build cash buffers in and sometimes they have debt facilities, etc. The problem with that is when you have a run on the fund, let's say there's COVID, everybody wants their money back. Mm -hmm. You then have to do something called gating. Gating is when you say to clients, sorry, you can't get your money back within the terms that we promised you. You're going to have to wait. And at least the way we manage it is we never want to mismatch the duration that our clients come in for with the duration of our loans. And so we lock them in for a period that matches the average duration of the loans that we write to people in the UK market. Yep, got you. So that they fit together and that they're in sync. How many sort of clients have you got within the space that you're lending to? I mean, how big is the portfolio? Yeah, so Westbrook Hill Plus is now £130 million pound a fund with 48 loans in it. So it's quite nicely diversified. No one loan in that portfolio is more than... 7.5% of the overall mm -hmm. NAV of the fund. It's been going for six years now. And fortunately, Touchwood has never had a down month. And I suppose for those prospective investors listening to this, the point to take out of that is that alternatives are much more nascent here in South Africa. Yeah. But when implemented properly, they don't necessarily construe higher risk. And as a result, if you look in places like North America, in Europe, the EU, Alternatives are generally between 10 and 20% of client portfolios. At Saints of Africa, oh, wow. we're nowhere near that number, probably between 0 and 5% based on the clients that I talk to. I was going to say certainly under 5 You mentioned a yield of 9.5%, and of course it is in sterling. What is your distribution frequency? Is this rolled up and paid at the end, or is it quarterly? How does that work? 
we pay out distributions at the moment every six months, but mm-hmm. clients also have the option to roll it up to your point. But what I find very interesting, Simon, is the vast, vast majority of our clients have elected to be in the roll-up class because it is so much more tax efficient. It shows me something in relation to investor behavior, which is that clients are looking at the moment to invest somewhere in hard currency where capital preservation is the focus, mm-hmm. where they know that they can sleep well at night because they've got diversification and security. They don't want to go into equities in this volatile market, but they don't actually need the cash flow. And as a consequence, they'd rather have the tax efficiency in a roll-up class. Yeah, I take your point, and it is depends on your cash flow need, but we'll leave it there. Dennis Zuccola, he's Head of Product Development, Distribution at Westbrook Alternative Asset Management. Appreciate the time. When you stay invested over time in Stanlib's Global Multi-Strategy Diversified Growth Fund, your money's in for some smooth sailing. With our global partners, J.P. Morgan Asset Management at the helm, your money can withstand the pressure and bad weather day-to-day market conditions cause. All aboard? Seek more returns at stanlib.com forward slash more. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. MoneyWeb now on the money. I'm chatting with Happy Go Botelezi, Director for Growth Capital Solutions and BEE Financing, ABSA Corporate and Investment Banking. Happy Go, appreciate the time. The one standout from the budget, and perhaps it was expected, was no SOE bailout. And if you focus particularly on the logistics space, reports are that the problems with Transnet are costing our country potentially a billion rand a day. That's 5% of annual GDP. The numbers are huge. Absolutely, Simon. These are staggering numbers. You know, when you start unpacking the problem and you start having discussions with other sector representatives, I mean, the Mining Council is saying that the opportunity cost from the poor performance of Transnet and the overall logistics sector, it is costing them at least 151 billion rands in mineral sales. And that is just the one sector. We're not even adding up to what the agriculture sector's losses look like and as well as also the automotives and the other sectors that they are exporting outside of South Africa. Absolutely. And of course, I mean, those are brand values and they're important. Perhaps even more important is jobs. I mean, it's one thing around the world, South Africa as well, there's a general a lack of keenness by governments to really privatize state assets because they worry about jobs. And in an election year in South Africa, perhaps even more so than usual. Yes, absolutely. I think Historically, that view still somewhat holds today amongst the governments around the world. And this is not a South African problem. Mm. But I think what is key to focus on here in terms of private sector participation is that there are many forms that the government, that as a country, we can still achieve very effective and efficient private sector participation in state-owned assets in order to ensure that service delivery, it is still happening at the highest standards. I mean, if one looks at, you know, the logistics sector, Mm -hmm. we know that open access is coming to stream April, May this year, and that should see more private sector participation in the railway sector. For example, we know that the container terminal in Durban recently had private sector participation by way of a concession 
whereby this Pier 2 container at the mm-hmm. Deben port will now have, or in fact, it already has private sector investors that are going to invest and operate the terminal. And again, that's another form of liberalization. And if I were to take it just a little bit outside of the border, in Maputo, just around the corner from us, in Maputo, the Maputo port, you know, it's called MTD7, ah, the government of Mozambique only owns 49% in that port, and mm-hmm. the rest, 51%, you know, which is a controlling stake, it is owned by private sector. And we know what's been happening recently, literally, the traffic from the Deben port it's all leading up to this port in Maputo because it is well capitalized, mm-hmm. it is well run, etc., etc. So there are many forms really that government can still achieve private sector participation or liberalization outside of privatization. Yeah, and of course, as a Joe Burger, the Gau train is another one locally. President Ramaphosa established the National Logistics Crisis Committee recently. The committees are perhaps easy to establish. They need political will. But to your note that you recently put out, we're seeing some progress there already. Absolutely. I think huge progress has been made in the sense of policy direction. Because Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, what is required as a viable project finance transaction, you need policy direction that is very clear. Also, that is easy to implement. You need a capable private sector. You need a capable SOE or government department together with national treasury in order to implement a viable project finance transaction, such as also the how trade. So in terms of the progress made so far, you know, we've got incredible and very strong policy direction in the form of the freight logistics roadmap, mm-hmm. you know, which was approved by cabinet in December last year. We've got the national rate policy of March 2022. We've got the economic regulation of transport bill also of 2022. So we've got a universe of policies that have been implemented in the past two years or so, that should help in terms of starting to see where things are going in the sector. And of course, the work of the National Logistics Crisis Committee has been incredible working alongside Transnet and contributing to the recently published Transnet Recovery Plan. So where things are currently, we should really start seeing tremendous work being done you know in the sector but i guess the game changer it is mm-hmm. going to be this open access that is meant to start in april some say april some say may you know the minister said may we never know <laughs> but we're hoping that april may is when open access will commence yeah, I take your point. That open access is huge. And if, if it's April, if it's May, we don't mind. We just hope it's one of them. We'll leave it there. That's Happy Gilbert Lezzi from Absa Corporate and Investment Banking. Appreciate the time today. 
episode for today. I was chatting with uh, Alex Dace from Thumble Wealth around the City Lodge results. They looked quite good, but the stock was off 7%. He made the point that they need to start growing their margins. And at, at higher occupancies, they should start getting uh, some pricing power. We asked if there's still opportunity in leisure stocks. Uh, almost half said, yep, you've got to be selective, but there certainly is. A third was saying, yeah, pretty much across the board. While the rest, a small minority, was saying, nope, they are done. They've had their run. Have your vote, have your say, LinkedIn and Twitter. The show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. We're live every weekday morning. The Money Web website in the app, 6.30 a.m. podcast, just after 7. Thanks to my team, Eddie Norbochle, Nicole, to you for listening, my guests for their time. My name is Simon Brown. This is MoneyWeb Now. If you're loving the show, please leave us an excellent rating in your pod catcher of choice. And we'll chat again tomorrow the correct way to value REITs. You've been listening to another MoneyWeb Now podcast, posted every weekday at 7 a.m. on moneyweb.co.za. MoneyWeb Now on the money.